0: This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming at DCAUreview.com and on your favorite podcast app. Get charged up for action that'll shock your system
1: me that's not cool. An unstoppable superhero and his crew embark on impossible missions and will bring mutated villains to justice. When
0: static's in the house, bad guys better step off.
1: Pull the plug on crime with the adventures of Static Shock. Yeah! Welcome everybody to episode 273 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your... I am one of your hosts, Cal, and with me my good friend, good brother, the man that runs our Twitter slash X account, I'm just forever gonna call it Twitter, Twitter account, and our, I'm just gonna, you know what, I'm just shifting this to the man that runs our social media empire, it's Liam, Liam, as we we talked about last week, we are here sitting in a month of Static Shock reviews, and it's uh, sort of, uh, sort of, you know how they do those backdoor pilots on television, where it's a sneaky way of, t- of 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 trying to sell you on something without really telling you. Well, we did like a backdoor theme month here for the uh, for the month of August, and uh, it all sort of centers around one man who happens to be uh, uh, appearing on our program today.
2: That's right, Cal. So every episode we will be reviewing this month, uh, every episode of Static Shock, is in fact written by the same person, and that is the great Len Yuli. And uh, the reason that uh, we specifically picked that writer is, uh, of course, that he was uh, generous enough to spend uh, quite a bit of time with us. Uh, we have a long-form interview with Len coming later in the month, and uh, we'll actually be sprinkling in some excerpts from and that that are relevant to today's episode, that being shebang.
1: That is right, Liam. So we have a we have a not only a theme with Mr. Yuli's episodes uh, being featured this month, but we have some reoccurring characters uh, that will also be popping up. We had a fun one last week. If you didn't get a chance to check that one out, uh, we a very, very fun homage to the classic Zombie cult classic genre, so uh, you want to go mm-hmm. back and check that one out. This week, though, we are moving uh, forward a season, as we are now officially in season three uh, with this episode's review. And uh, as you mentioned, it is titled after the character Shebang or Shebang, depending on as we learn in our little talk with Len. uh You know, d- depending on your prerogative, how how you want to pronounce it. You know, it's kind of left up to the interpreter, but Uh, We do know that uh, Mr. Burnett, Alan Burnett, responsible for naming the character, did so with a a tongue firmly planted in his cheek. So, uh, (laughs) as uh, Mr. Yuli was was happy enough to share with us. But yes, before we get into our breakdown of the episode today, as well as some of our tidbits from Mr. Yuli, we will, of course, get the official IMDB synopsis for this week's episode, which is brought to you by... The Pod Tower. Head over to youtube.com slash Tower today. That is where you will find a collection of podcasts just ready to tickle your ears. Uh, you get some great content from the folks over at Watchtower Database who have their Jump on the Batwagon podcast. I'm pretty sure they just uh, switched to Superman, so is it going to be Jump on the Superwagon here soon? <laughs> I don't know. You'll have to tune in to find out, and you can only find out on the Pod Tower YouTube channel. So head over to there. Not only do you get to the Jump on the Batwagon, maybe Superwagon podcast, but you also get the entire Tim Talk podcast, which has already done a review of this very same episode that we'll be tackling today. And then, of course, you get our entire catalog as well, all in one convenient area. We invite you to head on over today and subscribe at youtube.com slash thepodtower
2: that's right so this is the synopsis for shebang which was written by alan burnett and len Yuli, directed by vic dal uh, at least according to the uh the DCAU wiki i uh i can't uh i can't confirm that because i don't believe there's actually one credited in the actual on-screen credits of this episode mm-hmm. but uh music by richard wolf and animation by dong Wu, and that synopsis reads as such there's a new hero in town with mad athletic skills and the attitude and ego to match static and gear are divided as to if they want to hurt. That's a terrible sentence. Static and gear are divided as to if they want her to help. And is she really what she seems?
1: Oh man. It started out with such promise and then really fell apart at the end. It's like when the Patriots played the Falcons and you know, <laughs> Um, yeah, that was, uh, see me after class for that one. IMDB synopsis. Uh, we'll need to review some of your grammatical mistakes with regards to that one. But of course we will get our own synopsis for this episode, which originally aired here in the United States on the kids WB on February the 15th, 2003, meaning we just passed get this the 20 year anniversary of this episode's debut before we do though, we will of course get some of. The background, as we mentioned at the top, uh, Mr. Yuli was uh, you know we were fortunate enough to be joined by him. he was generous with his time and we have a uh, a, a long form interview that we'll be dropping later in the month as a bonus episode. Mm-hmm. but we'd love to give you a little bit of background about Mr. Yuli in his own words uh, from our interview uh, a little bit earlier this month. Let's throw it to ourselves from the past.
2: All right. And as mentioned, we are very lucky to be joined today by a legendary writer in animation, that being the great Mr. Len Yuli. Len, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you for inviting me, guys. I really appreciate it. And as I said before we started, I think you've probably interviewed everybody I've ever worked with. <laughs> Some of this may sound familiar. <laughs> if uh, if we cross the streams a little so apologize for the redundancy straight you're just,
2: off uh, you're just corroborating each other's stories you know that's
0: right yeah it's Is it's our story and we're sticking with it that's know?
2: right <laughs> so before we uh, we launch into some more uh, sort of dcau themed topics we'd like to just start by asking sort of what were your your origin story so to speak getting into as a a writer and and specifically as a writer in animation
0: Oh well, okay. It's. I hope you have an uh, an extra hour. <laughs> uh, basically, um, I became an animation writer quite by accident. Mm. I started out as a, uh, a, a a wannabe sitcom writer. I mm. had my first sale on a sitcom when I was twenty-one. I was a junior at UCLA in the film wow. school, and uh, I saw a show got picked up, and it was called Homes and Yo-Yo. Nobody be- remembers it, but it was. <laughs> There are 13 episodes on ABC, uh, uh, two cops, one of whom was a robot. So, you know, clearly (laughs) right up my alley straight away. But it was by the guys who had done Get Smart. So these were like comedy gods for me. Mm -hmm. So I read the show, got picked up by this would never happen today. But I got a chance to uh, uh, I called the office, the production office. I said, can I read a copy of the pilot script? And the woman there, the director of development says, Sure. Like this would never happen. To <laughs> a armies of lawyers who would make that not happen right. to me. Exactly. So I got a copy of the script. I read it, I said, oh boy, and I wrote a story, not even a script, mind you, and I'd been writing you know spec scripts and all that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So then I sat on it. Now we my I have to say at this point, I am a commuter. I am living at home. I am taking the bus to UCLA every day. And what are they going to do? They're not going to hire a guy in college with no credit. <laughs> sure. So I sat on the story. And my mom said, okay, I tell you what, I'll mail it for you. Okay, mom. <laughs> I guess, that's going to happen. Two days later, the story editor calls me on a Friday and says, I'm going to make your weekend. So I said, oh, really? <laughs> and so what he did was they took, the, he, he and his producer partner, they rammed my story together with some other material they already owned from a guy named john landis not sure whatever happened to him but anyway <laughs> you know quite frankly it was probably in pre-production on animal house so i don't think he wow. he, he missed the assignment too terribly But anyway. <laughs> um so i got a chance to write the script and you know i was cocky i was 21 i thought i knew what i was doing and i was i i, I it, it was not a I didn't do a great job. Let's put it that way. But, you know, it was a first assignment. And that was great. Following year, I had a TV series format optioned by a production company. It was about the first black president of the United States like that could ever happen. Right. Um, but What's it was 19, yeah. 1977. You know, it's ancient history. So right. two years, two assignments, graduating college. This is going to be easy. What a great career. Piece <laughs> of cake. Rocket to the moon. Three years of radio silence followed. Nothing happened. So, you know, if you want to say I was an overnight success, success, that's true if your definition of overnight is 10 years. (laughs) So bumped around a few assignments hither and yon. Lots of, you know, jobs in the meantime, office jobs, working at a lawyer's office, working as a producer's assistant on Benson, the sitcom. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Writing industrials and corporate shows. And that's where I learned how to be a professional writer because Mm. you're writing for very little money. You're writing for uh, make the client happy writing, you know, taking notes on. So that's how I really learned because whatever modicum of talent I might've had, I didn't have the skill set, the professionalism Mm. that, you know, at the beginning. So that was the uh, series of lucky first breaks. Anyway, sorry, rambling on. (laughs) Eventually one of the mom and pop companies I worked for in the industrial and corporate thing, The pop was Michael Rye, a voice actor from radio, who was the voice of uh, Duke Igthorne on the Gummy Bears. Oh, okay, A a great comic villain. And so he (laughs) introduced me to the story editor, Jim Magon. And Jim hired me to write a freelance Gummy Bears episode and then hired me to write a freelance DuckTales episode, which, by the way, was called Where No Duck Has Gone Before. (laughs) You'll see another thread running through. That's a Star Trek fanboy thing here. Anyway, so and then Disney TV animation was ramping up because they were doing the DuckTales series. Mm -hmm. And then that was going to be followed by uh, the Disney afternoon, all those syndicated 65 episode, a two hour block of television, five days a week. Again, Mm -hmm. unheard of today. But by then it was like, wow. So they were hiring people left and right. And so I got a chance to go on staff there and just to put a button on the uh, origin story (laughs) uh two weeks after i signed my contract at disney i heard from two story editors i had met on the picket line in 1985 for the writers guild and they asked about my availability for the cbs version of charles in charge yes i never got a chance to work for scott baio (laughs) him uh because uh, uh uh i had already signed this contract and being the boy scout i wasn't oh no i couldn't possibly and that <laughs> was the walk in the road and that's when i became an animation writer and so 47 years in the writer's guild 37 years in writing animation and you know on balance i guess it worked out you know i got <laughs> a chance to write you know Two hundred and sixty some episodes of television, right? Uh, and I'm, I, and eventually I'll get it right, you know? <laughs> you know. In the in the meantime, I I got a chance to work with some wonderful people on a lot of great shows, including some of the shows we're going to talk about today. So. And that's my long-winded version of so what did you what did you, how did you get here I have to, i'm you know i'm still trying to figure it out sorry
1: that's incredible wow what a uh, what that's like so many who's who's of of people that are in hollywood that you that you either cross paths with worked I, with
0: i am the zealot of animation <laughs> I have worked with so I'm uh, show business generally I've worked with or just alongside just a glancing blow mm-hmm. with deal people. And, you know, I'm just sitting here being, you know, the working slob shoveling through <laughs> into the next assignment. But, uh, yeah, it's been it's been weird. I I can go into stories, you know. The, had I grown up in, say, Detroit. hmm. I would have gone to work for the ford motor company right yep. company town i grew up here in los angeles and even weirder than that on the wrong side of the tracks in beverly hills uh, you know after the parents divorced we, we struggled <laughs> to stay there but mom wanted to have us in good schools anyway yeah. so um i grew up with all of these showbiz kids you know the sons and daughters of tv stars and studio heads and things like that so company town no other skills of course I'm going to want to be a writer of course yeah you know the, the first episode the first the first script I wrote was in sixth grade it was a Star Trek script uh-huh. I had I already had the pointy years so <laughs> you know, I could do that uh and and but you know and so I've been doing the I, I wrote plays musicals in high school and student films and like probably most of the people you've talked with it seemed like the thing that I what other choice did I have? Sure. Yeah,
1: yeah absolutely. Anyway,
0: so th- there you go. Uh, that's that's great. my yeah. sad tale.
1: <laughs> no, I, I, whenever the book comes out, we'll be the first one to buy it because that sounds... Oh. Like
0: It'll be a coloring book, but... Okay. <laughs>
1: All right, well, well. jumping off of that, let's fast forward the reason why we're having you on the show here, just even though that's an incredibly fascinating story. Uh, spoiler <laughs> alert, we're a DC Animated Universe podcast, so we're here, oh,
0: okay. uh, here <laughs> work
1: about the DC Animated Universe, and of course, uh, the majority of which came from your work on Static Shock. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about how did you get you know started on that project? Fast forward a little bit from where we left off in your origin story to getting... Right getting assigned to that and then uh the the work that you did specifically we're going to talk a little bit about the the shebang episodes today but yeah how did you get involved with Static Shock and and in your experience especially for what that show was at the time I think culturally Mm. what it means even today yes what's it what's it like having worked on that episode or or that show and 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 how did you get there?
0: Well, you have to roll back to when I was at Disney for five and a half years. One Mm -hmm. of the people I worked with there was Alan Burnett. Never heard of (laughs) him. Let me me explain. Uh, Alan is the, as you well know, he's the undersung hero of the DC animated universe. He's a a tremendously nice fellow and an extraordinarily good writer and a terrific showrunner. But anyway, Alan and I were working on things like uh, Gummy Bears and uh, Tailspin and shows like that together. And then he went back, briefly I think he went back to Hanna-Barbera, but then landed at Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. And so he was running the Batman. I never got a chance to write on the Batman animated series, but of course, thought it was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but anyway, so eventually when I was no longer at uh at at disney mm-hmm. and had done some superhero stuff for eric leewald also with whom i'd worked at disney but then became the showrunner next man the animated series so and of course i'd written i'd, I'd read comic books mostly dc comic books in fact mm-hmm. when when i was a kid so i knew the lingo there too yeah mm-hmm. so anyway i ended up um you know alan was then running uh in addition to everything else in the batman series and superman and all, he was also in charge of the um static shock mm-hmm. after it had been developed and he'd been playing a key role in that sorry um anyway so he was kind enough to hire me to work on that and so i i ended up writing you know 16 of those mm-hmm. uh, on static shock and so uh, i was on i was there as a freelancer as a story editor as a freelancer you know sort of the the arc of the thing but mm-hmm. got a chance to work in all four series seasons and um it's a well, as you well know, it is a spectacular series. It holds yep. up extremely well. Yep. Mm-hmm. And part of that is of course the origins of it, mm-hmm. because uh, you know, people like uh, the late Dwayne McDuffie and Dennis Cowan and all of their cohorts yep. had created this wonderful universe, the Dakotaverse, in uh for milestone comics, which was yep. the as you know, the first um, uh, you know, uh African American owned comic book yep. company. Mm-hmm. And they did amazing things there and static was uh, you know developed as an animated series you know brought a little younger and things like that but i had an affinity for it i you know got a chance to write quippy dialogue which is kind of my thing <laughs> and, uh you know so alan was kind enough to bring me in and let me do all sorts of wonderful stuff and that's also where i met Dwayne mcduffie for whom i eventually also worked on a couple of iterations of the ben 10 series over at cartoon network mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, and we can go on for another hour about what an extraordinary genius, honest to God genius, Dwayne McDuffie yeah. was. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, so I, I again, I, I digress. <laughs> Working on Static Shock was a, a wonderful experience with some very talented people. And because, again, of the showrunner in charge, in this case, Alan, later on the Ben 10 series with Dwayne and Glenn Murakami, you mm-hmm. got a chance to work on a show that was, yes, a kids action adventure show. And great fun and everybody after the treasure and things blow up and we get the same <laughs> thing. but also we got a chance to do stuff that was about i'm sorry if this sounds ostentatious but the human condition about yes. stuff that matters you know it, you know that, that that comes from the heart
2: yes. and so
0: you know Dwayne and allen they wrote a a a, a show that uh, got a humanitas award about uh, gun violence, about bringing a gun to school. Mm-hmm. I got to write uh, a, an episode um, called Frozen Out that was about yes. um, Love mental, that episode. mental illness and the homeless. Yep. Now, this doesn't sound like kiddie fair, does it? Not but at all. When you have people who are willing to go to bat and say, okay, yeah, we're not going to do another villain of the Week. Yeah, we can do those and we and did them very very well indeed Oh yes um but but we got a chance to write things that mattered to us mm. and within the confines of you know long underwear show mm-hmm. and so we're just you know that again one of those things that was so lucky for me that i got a chance to work with such brilliant people all at the top of their game you know and so um that's there were a, a lot of shows Uh, that I worked on where that has been the case static is one of them I I consider the the static and the Ben 10 runs for me Uh, again mostly freelancing uh, Mm -hmm. particularly on on the Ben 10 but I got a chance to work on stuff that that mattered that Mm -hmm. I can look at with pride and were very well made so you know I came out ahead in that regard
1: uh Liam that was awesome. Uh love learning a little bit about how Mr. Yule got into the business and certainly uh some of the credits he's got a laundry list of credits uh, on his resume uh you know I think just one of those shows alone would be enough to uh, to impress someone but uh, the amount of things that he's done the projects that he's worked on getting how he got into the business uh and his passion even today this many years into, uh, into his career is, uh, is palpable and it's, uh, it's contagious and man, what a, what a fun time we had with him.
2: Yeah. Just a, just a really smart and and kind and funny guy. And, uh, yeah, it was just great talking with him and learning a little bit about not only his personal origin, but just kind of some of the, the, uh, the inner workings of the business and his, uh, getting a start on, on static as well. Um, yeah, just tremendously fun conversation. One of our, I think I could speak for others when I say one of our, our favorite interviews uh, we've ever done. And I uh, can't wait for uh, all of our, our listeners to hear the full conversation uh, when we drop it later this month. But uh, was, a, was, was we were just so excited. We wanted to uh, to share a, a little bit of, of a, a few relevant excerpts about uh, about Static and about, uh, about Lens uh, Origins in this, uh, in this crazy industry, uh, uh, just a little bit early to, to whet the appetite.
1: That's right. A little appetizer that we will, uh, again, drop on your feeds later in the month, you'll get the full length interview. And, uh, and of course, we will be sharing some additional tidbits next week as well, but Liam, we will get into our own breakdown of this week's episode. And then of course is uh kicking things off with our first category which will be plot so let's do our own plot synopsis hopefully a little bit better than that mess of a imdb synopsis (laughs) but uh we kick things off with a a very very interesting place uh static and gear are in the midst of a severe weather event a windstorm that's kicked up in dakota so the skies are not so sunny as we're used to it's raining there's wind happening and there's some sort of event i didn't catch it it it's kind of like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, but it's some other event happening at this amphitheater that it caught that uh, involves them using these giant inflatable floats. Um, and uh, needless to say, they there have the the workers that are charged with kind of tying these giant balloon animals and props down are uh, are having. Uh, no fun at all they're losing the battle against mother nature and uh, unfortunately this leads to not only static and gear having to sort of corral the actual balloons themselves but also one of the gentlemen who gets whisked away while carrying on uh, holding on to the tie ropes nice
0: weather yeah if you're into hurricanes uh -oh. oh whoa Houston we have a rocking chair Best seat in the house, and the biggest. Whoa, Bessie.
2: That's what I call a moo fo. Ouch.
0: Help me. I'll fry the egg. You rope the... Would you stop already? <laughs> Though I do admit it was kind of funny. <laughs> Chill.
1: And this uh, as Static and Richie are in hot pursuit, unfortunately, Static is uh, is unable to uh, to assist them as he sort of gets uh, gets handled by Mother Nature himself and blown out of the way and gets knocked by one of the balloons. So uh, it it appears that it could be curtains for this poor worker, but uh, stepping up is a strange new masked hero who bounces in and is able to uh, not only save our our poor worker but uh, she's able to corral the giant balloon animal to make sure uh, no further damage is done and once static and gear have fully recovered they catch up to her and they are shocked to see uh, a a new person in uh, on their turf uh, Static is a uh, sort of immediately showing signs of uh, of jealousy, and he, as as he's wont to do, we know that he's uh, a <laughs> he's a bit territorial. We've learned that in the past episodes when Richie got his superpowers, that he's uh mm-hmm. he's not exactly he's not exactly open to sharing the the acclaim of the Dakota Dakota people. So he's immediately suspect. Not necessarily welcoming of this new person but she doesn't really seem to mind as she uh she sort of relishes in the fact that she was able to to outdo static uh (laughs) and save the day so uh we cut now to uh to back to school and static uh static by the way gear immediately wants to add her to their team and (laughs) static is having no parts of it a very funny interaction between the two of them And that's when we cut back to the school. And wouldn't you know it, we have a new new person that's arrived at school. It is a Shanice Vale who has arrived, and uh, she's introduced by Daisy and Frida. Mystery Metagirl saves city workers. Can you believe it? We hardly got a mention. At least she's on our side. And who knows? Maybe she could join the team. I hope you're talking about some basketball team. I didn't think she was that bad.
0: The way she showed up on our turf, thinking she's so hot and all. Look, man, I
1: know trouble when I see it. Well, that beats me. I can only smell trouble when it's brewing. Except when I have a cold.
0: Hi, guys. Hey, Daisy. Hey, Frida. This is Shanice Bale. She just transferred in.
1: Ah, our condolences.
0: (laughs) Hey, Shanice. Hello. We're all in the same
1: P.E.
2: class. In fact, we were talking at the soccer tryouts when your names came up.
1: Oh, okay, you've twisted my arm. I will coach girls soccer. And I'll hand out
0: the towels. Thanks, but no. We were talking about bowling. We want a rematch between the boys and the girls. What, the last time wasn't humiliating enough?
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you should call yourselves the gutter ball brigade. We've been practicing, and we're this close to talking Shanice into playing with us too.
0: Bowl?
1: A little. They happen to mat- uh, mention that they are recruiting her to their girls team for their boys versus girls bowling night. And we get a, uh, a cut directly to said bowling night where it is very clear that this new girl Shanice is either extremely talented at bowling or she's uh she's she's gifted in a way that maybe uh maybe nobody else would suspect she seems to be hitting strike after strike after strike and as she's going for her perfect game her uh she's she's about to go up and everyone's noticing and everybody's super excited and cheering her on mm-hmm. and she happens to look back and sees a pair of adults who kind of give her a scowl and shake their head at her and uh, she sort of throws the the bowling ball directly into the gutter, not only blowing it for her team, but missing the perfect game. And she leaves sort of embarrassed and dejected. And it's, uh, it's very quickly, quickly established that Daisy and Frida are also concerned as they think that maybe, well, she, she just kind of got, got nervous because uh, her parents showed up. We learned that it was in fact her parents there watching, uh, but I think uh, I think both viewers and uh, and maybe Static and Richie have uh, have other thoughts as to what just might be going on here with the parents as everybody sort of begins stroking their chin.
2: That's right. So uh, we we cut to the next day where we see Hot Streak is on a rampage. Uh just uh, attacking a movie theater of all things um, <laughs> uh, because he he didn't he didn't care for uh, for what they done. Imagine that. Imagine somebody throwing a tantrum because uh, some sci-fi movie they saw uh, wasn't uh, wasn't as good as the ones uh, that they made when he was a kid. We Can't did remind it. you this was
1: this was 20 years ago that this was done. Yet, as <laughs> is so often with the DCAU, things relevant 20 years ago still accurate and relevant today.
2: That's right. It's not just the Simpsons that uh, that gets credit <laughs> for being uh, being so prescient. But yes, uh, there's another uh, battle ensues there with Static and Gear being a bit overmatched before Shebang arrives and uh, helps defeat him. And uh, of course, right as, uh, right as they're talking, uh, some reporters arrive on the scene and try to uh, try to address Static Gear and their new partner. And, uh, and Shebang quickly gets out of there when she sees that there are cameras present. And then we, uh, we cut back to her house there where we kind of begin to understand what's going on as, uh, as Shanice's parent, parents are sort of reading of the riot act, telling her that she can't be going out as the superhero shebang. And, and she's arguing that she's not, you know, being this sort of mousy, quiet girl isn't who she is. And she needs to go out and express herself and be herself in the in the real world. But her, her parents kind of keep telling her that it's so dangerous.
0: So it was you. Shanice, you can't do this. You can't be a superhero. Why not? You know perfectly well why not.
2: Because they'll find out. They won't. This whole city is filled with superpowered teens. It's the perfect place for me.
0: No. They'll know your abilities. They'll see right through this Halloween costume.
2: And then they'll find us. Then let them. I don't care. I can't hide anymore. I can't go on pretending to be some quiet little wallflower nobody notices. I wasn't made for that. Shanice! Come back, please! And uh, we see that uh, there's a, a mysterious agent for a mysterious agency has been uh, has been tracking uh, has been tracking she- Shebang and actually trails Static, who uh, who leads the who leads uh, Static accidentally leads them to uh, Shebang's house, and they uh, they break into her parents' house and using uh, using some nefarious knockout gas uh, are able to kidnap Shanice and take her away. And uh, that sort of sets up our final act.
1: That's right. Yeah. We, uh, we get static and, uh, and, and Richie headed over to uh, Shanice's house as uh, static has this heart to heart with her, where she reveals that she's not a bang baby and that she's retiring uh, as you mentioned from the shebang, uh, from from the whole shebang uh, persona, uh, this uh, this this leads Static and Richie to her house to have a conversation with her parents to find out just exactly who she is, and that's where we learn that Shanice is in fact telling the truth. She's not a bang baby, as uh, as Static and Richie both both assume that she was. She is in fact a lab experiment. And uh, she she was created in a lab by her parents Who were both scientists We built every chromosome from
0: scratch She was designed to have incredible strength and agility
1: Well, you got that part right
0: Naturally, the company had plans for Shanice They wanted to clone her, make more She was a walking blueprint worth billions to them It was just one problem We fell in love with her She wasn't a lab specimen to us She was our baby So we took her And went into hiding. We've been running ever since. Why didn't you go to the police? You know how the media work. It'd be a free for all. They treat her like a freak.
1: And uh, once they, once they kind of grew her out of the Petri dish, they developed this relationship with her and realized that they actually loved and cared for this young child. And, didn't want her being cloned she's basically like it's it's very similar to the mid-90s origin story of of Superboy he's a she's a little bit yeah made in a lab and uh you know for nefarious purposes of course the government wants to use her this lab wants to create her clone her and make weapons out of her and the creators feel bad they get a guilty conscience so they take her away uh and try and try and escape with her and uh, so now the lab is uh, is sending is sending people after her in order to not only recuperate its uh, its creation but also to punish her parents. And that's why they want her to be in hiding, and they're not not about her being on on television and all of that. So. Uh, unfortunately, we learned that, of course, uh, through her appearances on the media, she left some uh, she left some gloves behind in her interaction with Hot Streak that were picked up by this agent that was tracking her. They were able to determine that it was her, follow her, find her. And then, as you mentioned, take her into custody. So uh, as static and gear are inside Shanice's house with her parents, backpack happens to pick up some activity that's happening outside. I love it. Richie says he's picking up some electronic activity and then they open the window and it's guys in gas masks. It's like it's not not (laughs) electronic activity. They weren't being very they weren't being very conspicuous. I mean, they were being very conspicuous. They're they're walking around with these giant gas masks on attempting to you know approaching the house they're not being inconspicuous at all but yes yeah, so uh <laughs> that 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 leads uh static and richie to go outside static uses his powers to static cling them to the side of the big metal surveillance van and then he and richie break into said van and uh, using backpack to reverse gps track where the van came from they head back to uh they follow its trail which is to the airport. And then that leads them to a plane that is taking off just as they arrive and they are in hot pursuit of this airplane. It appears that the airplane is too fast, but static is able to dig a little bit deeper and power up. He kind of does, uh, does the, uh, the dragon ball Z thing, right? Where he like, you know,
0: rears mm-hmm. his
1: head back and his arms wide and he, he just calls upon all the power that he's got in order to, to kind of catch up to this plane. And he's able oh, yeah. to, to to kind of grab onto it and uh, a very fun moment that we'll, we can continue to talk about in visuals here at a moment but uh, he's able to finally get attached to it open the door finds Shib- Shibang inside who is uh, who's been captured by Of course, these agents who are who have her contained and threatening uh, to take her out static uh, attempts to break her out and he's actually surprised by one of the agents he didn't see them when he was walking in Uh, this agent has some sort of device that uh, sort of dampens statics powers. Uh, but uh, he, thankfully, his other arm was free. The guy only shot one of his arms, and he's able to to break uh, Shanice free. Shanice is able to then uh, break this weapon that uh, the agent had and is able to, uh, able to team up with Static to overtake him and then convince the pilot that uh, it's in <laughs> his best interest at that point to uh, to turn the plane around.
2: Oh, it broke. <gasps> but don't worry. I'm sure the authorities don't want you damaged either. Too bad.
0: Let's turn this thing around. Come on. All right. You got two cranky superpower teenagers back here. We run out of peanuts and there's no in-flight movie. Any thoughts?
2: I'm already heading back.
0: Good thinking.
1: we do get a a, a post script as the uh, the plane does land land and then uh we we get back to uh we get back to uh Shanice with her parents We're very excited and it appears that Static and Gear are are both now on the same page and willing to add Shanice to their team. But she manages uh, or she breaks the news to both of them that unfortunately, just like in any good fugitive style show, she and her parents have to be going now. They can't stick around much longer because the authorities can't seem to find everyone involved at the lab and uh, they, they can't be watching them 24-7. So they got to put them in what ultimately is a bit of a witness protection program. So she and her family have to leave, but promise that when everything gets sorted out, hey, maybe she'll return one day to help them fight crime. And uh, that's kind of we get a little bit of an incredible the Hulk send off as uh, we get some sad piano music playing. And uh, she looks wistfully through the back window of her car as it drives away from static and gear, and that's uh, that's the end of our episode.
2: Yeah, we end on a uh, it's a it's a little bittersweet uh, ending ending to our episode, and I think it actually comes. Uh, I guess as as we finish the plot recap, we can start uh, getting towards our scores here. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy this episode, and I think one of the reasons I do is because it's set up in a very like classic static way, which it feels like we're going for like a sitcom type trope of like, you know, battle of the sexes girls versus boys. Like it starts out with, you know, shebang upstaging gear and static when they're, you know, trying to protect everybody during the hurricane and the parade floats are out of control. And then they go to the the next day in in school where Shanice and Frida and Daisy are, are all excited because they're beating the boys in bowling and all that. And it feels like we're going, we're going one way. And then we just take this dramatic sharp turn and it becomes this like sci-fi espionage story about like clones and government agencies and, and all of this. It's a really, it's a really fun, uh, really fun left turn that this episode takes and it takes it in, I think kind of some pretty exciting and, and dramatic ways.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with you. Yeah, it's it does very much feel like uh, some of the same old, same old. And again, we're this is season three of the show. So the the sort of, you know, bang baby of the week, so to speak, has kind of been played out here. We're we're several seasons into it. So the fact that they start out that way and lead you to believe, like, all right, here we go. It's a. It's a rival for static. He's not gonna get along with her. And then we learn that she's a bang baby. And then maybe they butt heads a little bit, and then she has to save the day at the end of it. And it it doesn't go that way. They throw some some curveballs in there. And mm-hmm. you know, we get she's not actually a bang baby. She's the result of an experiment, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's very different. And uh and she doesn't while she does st- uh save statics bacon twice ultimately the hero and heroes of our show end up saving the day at the end having to kind of save her, her bacon. So yeah, I, I, I think that it's, it's predictably or it's unpredictably predictable. I would say how I would describe <laughs> this episode. Like you're expecting it be, to follow a certain formula, but it's not you, if you more than likely you've guessed the wrong formula to follow, it follows Two different other formulas mixed together. So I, I like that. I like that it it kind of subverted my expectations mm-hmm. and uh and you know kind of kind of threw those curves in there at, at times. I think that the character of of Shanice is very interesting also because they went and we'll talk about it a little bit in our, our voice acting here in a little bit, but they went out of their way to very strongly differentiate Shanice versus Shebang. They're very Mm -hmm. different characters dynamically. Like her, her personality is extremely different and it's, she, she talks about having to kind of, to, to play that up, to be that way. Um, And, and that's where that fight with her parents comes into play where she's like, you know, I was made for something more. Like I was given these, she was literally made, but she was given the, the, (laughs) abilities to do something greater than to just hide under a rock and like that's extremely relatable absolutely and and it and can be can be a bit of a trope that that cartoons and kids shows uh rely on sometimes but i think that just the way that they it you really feel like she's being smothered when she's Shanice, like this Mm -hmm. she doesn't feel like this character that's Quiet and bashful and doesn't want the attention and all that you can see her, especially when she puts on this costume. It's like, man, that's who she is. She's she feels this. This is what she's made for. She's made to do this. So I love how they wrote the character to, to be that to be that different dynamically between her, her alter ego and her, you know, and her, uh, uh, you know, her, her personality as uh, in her everyday life. So, yeah, I I really enjoyed this episode. I like that it sets things up, um, you know, for her to come back. Uh, Spoiler alert. She comes back, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, and uh, I like that we have the butting heads, you know, static. You're continuing that thread of static, being a little bit jealous and not really wanting to share in the glory and that being like a character flaw that he has, especially because clearly this is somebody that's helping him that helped save multiple people that static didn- wouldn't have saved or couldn't have saved Um so I, I like that, too, because you also so, show some of the flaws of your of your main character, too. And it's important that your your character, your main characters have some flaws. I think that that does matter. So, yeah, all that, uh, all that to say, I enjoy the episode. It's a fun 22 minutes. Um, the there's not a lot of straight up action that occurs Um, I will say that there's, you know, there's, it's heavy on the dialogue. It's heavy on the actual story that's happening. You do get the opening scene right off the bat that has some intrigue and some interest with the, with the giant floats and everything, um, you know, blowing away and the air, you know, the giant air balloons creating havoc. And then you have the, the, the culmination of the episode is extremely exciting. Anytime you put something on an airplane, I think that that's, (laughs) I think that that automatically amps up the. Uh, you know, the stakes at that point. So that's it's certainly exciting at the end there. But uh, the fact that they're able to team up and work together also at the end, you finally see static embracing the fact that he can he can work with somebody. He doesn't have to worry about sharing, sharing or care about sharing in the glory. So uh, all those reasons I ended up giving Plot a very strong eight out of ten. What about you, Liam?
2: Yeah, I actually gave it the exact same score of, uh, of eight out of ten. I like I said, I just thought this was really solid. It went in unexpected ways, and like you said, you still get that. You know, you still open with Static being kind of really standoffish and and feeling a little jealous and upstaged, and at the end, he kind of accepts her, and and along with you know Richie, who's kind of on board from from moment one, and realizes that Static's just being a little bit pigheaded. But yeah, it's it's a really fun episode. The way it's put together, I love I love the twists there, and if we could uh, indulge in one of our our favorite pastimes um which is uh head cannoning or, or retroactive easter eggs we don't ever get a name for this agency that uh that clone Shanice, do we
1: um i would say in my head cannon slash retroactive easter eggs this has to be a cadmus project right
2: right like at least a, sub- a subgroup like uh like uh, the Volcano one, like there, they maybe wasn't called Cadmus, but it's like a subsidiary, a shell company of some kind. Absolutely. And, until I'm told otherwise, that's, that's where my head was going.
1: I like that. Maybe we can get a follow-up uh, for Mr. Yuli this week to see if he, uh, if he would uh, co-sign on that as a, <laughs> canon, since he wrote this story, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's a fun episode all the way around. Uh, very, very entertaining And uh, definitely sets up some threads that uh, maybe we'll cover on another episode this month.
2: Absolutely.
1: All right, Liam, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be animation and visuals. And as you mentioned at the top, Dong Wu, responsible for this week's animation. And uh, we'll, of course, as uh, I think contractually obligated we we are to do, uh, whenever we talk about static, we're in season three here, the upgraded sort of higher budget, more cell shading, uh, more streamlined DCAU look. Um to the to the DC or to static, so we automatically in my book get an upgrade here because things look uh look they just look better they look better on the screen to me um it just looks looks higher quality it looks like a, a bigger investment in the product but uh as- that aside um what did you think of the of the visuals for the episode and uh, what notes did you have as far as uh, things that stuck out that you liked or maybe didn't like.
2: Yeah, so I think the first thing that really stuck out to me is we get this opening sequence where uh, Shanice is sort of putting on the Shebang suit for the first time, and I like the the Shebang design. Like, I think it's perfect for for what this is, where it's this girl, as we come to find out, who has these abilities but's never really gotten a chance to express them. So she's so she's in a very like makeshift costume it's like she's got like 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 spandex on and like some some boots and then it looks like she made a a cape and a mask out of like bed sheets and stuff so like it's very it's very like thrown together it it reminds me a little bit um of the the burnside bat girl uh costume oh right on
1: absolutely about
2: 10 years ago where it's a little bit more it's more stripped down it's still you could still it's a superhero suit there's no doubt about that but it's a little bit more stripped down and, uh, and a little bit more, uh, 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 I, I don't want to use the word realistic because, you know, it's a superhero show, but it, it feels more like this is something a kid with no real resources could cobble together in, you know, in her bedroom. So I like, I like the look of Shebang overall. Um and then, uh, yeah, that that opening sequence where it's just her kind of showing off her abilities, where she's just r- running and jumping over rooftops and swinging on swinging on telephone poles and and flagpoles and and just swinging all kind of jumping all over the city, and then her kind of stopping right as she gets to the edge of the building and looking out and kind of seeing this uh, this whatever this concert venue wherever in the distance where. This uh, this hurricanes uh, beginning to kick up and the uh, the parade floats are getting out of control and then Static and Gear kind of flying in but yeah I think that that opening sequence is really what is probably the biggest one to me that stood out as far as just uh, just showing off what Shanice can do and then and then uh, her her first interactions with Static and Gear
1: yeah I I mean a a classic comic book trope that still works to this day you have regular sized human beings interacting with these giant oversized objects, you know, giant chairs and giant cows and a giant Humpty Dumpty balloon. Like it works. It's interesting. It's visually it's eye catching, you know, all that works. And you have these uh, heroes with superpowers interacting with them. What a, what a fun setting, not only for, us as adults but any kid that tunes in to watch that is going to immediately be just absolutely blown away by the idea of superheroes interacting with giant you know floating balloons that look like real life inanimate objects or animate objects so yeah i I think kicking things off kind of giving you the the overall who this person is and her power set um i really really liked that as well i thought that that was uh, certainly a good way to kick things off. I wholeheartedly agree with you. If she comes out wearing like a a full costume that looks like, you know, a Brian Singer X-Men costume where she's got like the leather or, or any other superhero movie from the last, I don't know, what, 30 years or whatever <laughs> it's been uh, where it's, you know, that that fake leather cosplay look. Yeah, then that that wouldn't be very believable because she's supposed to be a teenager that is doing this, uh, on her own without any help from anybody. So of course she's going to use materials that are available and create this like red, this sort of garish red and purple combination <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> of colors. So yeah, I, I agree with you. It it does work very well for the c- character. I like her design. Um, and, and again, I think in order to communicate the character, difference between when she's shebang versus when she's Shanice um, you know shebang is carries herself in such a way and the way that she moves and the way that she's uh, that talks and interacts with static and Richie or you know static and gear um, you know once she she kind of handles hot streak like she's extremely confident in the powers that she has the way that she walks talks interacts all that is communicated through that visual medium of this is somebody who knows the power that they have, believes in themselves and are, are experiencing life to the fullest when they get to kind of use these skills. Right. And then when mm-hmm. she's kind of when she's kind of bogged down and put under, you know, put under a basket, so to speak, she's you know, she's hunched over. She you know can't really make eye contact. She's got this closed off, shy um, you know, appearance that she kind of sh- is communicated with how they they made her move and walk and talk in that way, too. So something else, just little that was done to to continue to communicate that idea of her being stifled in this this uh, alter ego. Uh, just just uh, cool attention to detail with that. Um, I thought it was very funny uh, that uh, in her interaction with uh, with Hotstreak uh, she mentions him needing a belt for his pants because his pants are sagging too much <laughs> and then uh, he ends up being undone by uh, you know her throwing him by his pants essentially. like she launches him out of his pants into the fountain. Uh, I thought that was uh, that was an amusing little little bit there. What kid isn't gonna laugh at the bad guy you know getting <laughs> stripped down to his boxer shorts? The only thing that was missing was like arts.
2: <laughs> but, yes that's the only thing missing but it's a yeah it's a great joke literally hoisted hoisted by his own uh by his own belt belt straps in this game
1: yeah that was i enjoyed that uh i i liked um you know i liked static's use of his static cling against the uh the agents mm-hmm. once they're inside uh, the the Vale's household Um, I thought Backpack got a couple of cool, cool visualizations of it. Uh, Not only when it enters that surveillance van and you see it walking around and then plugging into the system and then you kind of get the reverse GPS tracking used for that. But right before that, as it kind of picks, Backpack picks up on the surveillance van being outside, um, it it projects onto Richie's face and you kind of get the you get the flipped reversed view of it, kind of like an Iron Man in a Marvel movie type mm-hmm. display, uh, on it, and it's you know, it's perfectly clear what's happening. There's a screen that pops up and it's moving. I thought that visualization was fun too. Um, I really liked the uh I, I really liked the final final scene. Also, I mentioned the the brief homage maybe to like a, a classic Eastern animation superhero power-up where static uh, really has to dig deep into his uh, into his power grid, so to speak, in order to 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 power up enough to catch up to the airplane in that that final sequence. And then uh, he and he and uh, Shebang get to do a tag team maneuver to our to our buzz cut uh, agent, where uh, where they both tag team him. She throws him up against this netting in the back of the airplane, and Static shoots him with his electricity. And uh, I thought that was kind of cool. Really sealing the deal that these two are. Are, are working together and they're uh, ready to work together as a fine oiled machine. So yeah, for all those reasons, uh, I, I really enjoyed the episode. I think uh, some of the little things that they did uh, made up for the fact that there wasn't a lot of, uh, long action beats to the episode. Um, you know, that it really relied more on the storytelling as I said at the beginning and some of the, some of the more subtle things, uh, they did, but still I think that that they told a great story and, uh, I ended up giving visuals and animation, uh, another eight out of 10. What about you?
2: Yeah, actually, uh, I went just one point higher. I went nine out of 10 for mine. I, yeah, I just think that, that opening sequence is so, is so fun. And I think the the actual animation, like I said, on the, the parkour sequence for Shebang is so strong. And then the uh, great, great hashtag Kate movement in that, uh, in that sequence as well. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, i like the, the hot streak sequence is fun. And, uh, and then, and then that, that final bit. Yeah. I really, really love the, the bit of static kind of powering up and just the way they kind of visualize it. Like, whereas, you know, the power kind of all generates from his hands and then he sort of So he kind of starts with his hands up and then the energy starts shooting out and he kind of throws his hands down to his side and you see the, you can kind of follow the energy, the electricity going from his hands down his body and then down to the bottom of his saucer and firing out like exhaust, uh, you know, from a a rocket or something as he's speeding up towards the plane. I think the way they they visualize his, uh, you know, his increase in power for his little speed boost there is so cool. And uh, yeah, the final little uh, fight there on the plane is is great where static gets, uh, gets captured by like the taser, the taser cuff uh-huh. and then uh, is able to just kind of fire off one last blast to free uh, to free shebang, I think is is great as well. So, yeah, just a lot of really, really fun uh, visual tricks in this episode, even as you said, despite it being a a more narrative driven episode than a, than an action based one.
1: I will say I I failed to mention also the sequence that occurs right before Shebang gets captured by the agents on the rooftop. Uh, There is a little scuffle that occurs there. We get some more action that occurs in that Mm -hmm. scene, but there is this really touching moment, as I mentioned uh, when we're talking about the plot where static and Shebang are, are, you know, she's decided at this point, this is after her parents have told her she has to hang up her cape, so to speak. And she's there kind of after she's run away, coming to terms with this idea that she has to, she has to really go full time with, with suppressing this, Um, you know, suppressing her powers and her desire to be a superhero. And uh, you know, there's, there's, she's standing on this gargoyle and static flies up and they have this initial banter where it feels like static is going to be really apprehensive towards her. And then uh, it's, it's very, again, it's communicated again in her shebang costume. She's kind of still, she's kind of reverted to that Shanice like downtrodden, sad, bashful, uh, depressed type of, of look which is interesting because you're you're seeing her as the superhero which you're used to so far seeing her kind of be this vibrant soul in this this persona but now she's downtrodden and depressed there's some good hashtag Kate movement in that scene also but yeah there's some, there's some there's some good stuff to be had for sure in our animation and visuals All right Liam, let's move on to our next category which is going to be music. And of course that is done this week as it has been uh, quite often by Richard Wolf, not, not the long order one, as we always point out to the other Richard Wolf. Uh, and, uh, Liam <laughs> longtime <laughs> listeners will know that, uh, you know, one of my, one of my, the things that I dislike the most about static is the soundtrack just because not because the music itself is bad, but because l- to me when you throw in lyrics to a soundtrack it just it's very <laughs> distracting especially like if it, it would be one thing and obviously the ex- i would never expect a ch- children's cartoon in the early 2000s to pay for licensed music so you're not going to get like Lou bega or something like that or whatever <laughs> whatever was the soundtrack of 2002 2003 to play for your soundtrack of your static episode but um you know it it just gets a little distracting when you just have the same refrain going over and over and over again we've talked about uh hot streak song fight fire with fire which believe mm-hmm. or not plays during this episode and you get that refrain over and over and over again fight fire with fire um, you know it just it kind of kind of drains you after a little while however we've gotten to the point where i've seen so much static now that I'm starting to kind of come around the opposite way where I've disliked it so much that now it's so funny that I I kind of just pump my fist every time there's a goofy mm-hmm. soundtrack. And this episode did not disappoint. From the get go, we get a shebang theme, which uh, is, uh, you know, it's like a Mary J. Blige or mm-hmm. Destiny's Child or something like 100%. Yeah. A, a very. Uh, R and B soulful sound with the refrain "I'm so so fly," and this is a. Hey. Uh, soaring across your television screen uh, and that's that's the other funny thing is that so often it just is describing whatever you're seeing so it's like they watch the episode and they, they're writing the soundtrack and they're like all right what are the lyrics to this song all right what's happening at this point they're flying we're gonna fly <laughs> I'm so so fly that's good that's good as
2: uh, as as the great Garth, Garth Ferengi once said I know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards <laughs> is, there's is nothing but this is nothing But literal, uh, literal uh, interpretations of what's happening on screen in our music. And I love that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 there's a lot of that. I will say uh, there's uh, my favorite song, however, of the entire episode had to be uh, as the plane is taking off and we get uh, pack it up, pack it up, pack it in, step back or take it on the chin. And it's like this angry, like we always compare it to like DMX or something like that. It's like an angry, like sort of passionate, deep sounding, like rap rapper that's coming across. And uh, it's just like it's heavy. He's angry um, and and he wants you to pack it in or he's, you're going to take it on the chin. And it it it. I mean, I laughed. I laughed. I couldn't help but laugh because it is so wildly distracting for everything that's going on the screen because at that point i don't know what like are you packing it up because you're getting on an airplane is that the subtext the the overt text that we're going with here pack it up pack it in step back or take it on the chin like who's whose theme is this is this the 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 lab agents theme i I don't know yeah hard, hard to say um but, uh, that aside, the 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 chuckling aside, I did like the very end because playing very much into the classic fugitive or incredible Hulk type ending where our, you know, our beloved hero that finally gets along with the, you know, with our our main hero and they're finally, creating a cohesive team and uh, he's finally accepting of her, but she has to break the news to her that she's moving on to the next town uh, because it's not safe for her here. And we get some, some sad piano music. We get more of the I'm so, so fly that comes in sort of like, you know, uh, very, very gently at the end, but we get some sad piano music that kind of plays up the the tone of like, this is a, uh, this is bitter, a bittersweet moment. So I, 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 you know what? I, I I take the music for what it is now. It's like watching an episode of Zeta and like trying to grade the, the music on a on a curve with that. Um, you know, you can't you kind of got to let this breathe on its own and do its own thing. I'm not going to not going to crap on it. I'm going to take it for what it is and I'm going to say the music fit the episode for the most part. I laughed at that. The take it on the chin song. Uh, I ended up giving music a seven out of ten. What about you?
2: Yeah, I went. Uh, I went a little bit stronger. I went eight out of ten for my uh, for my music score. I I love it. I love the static music. Like we've we've had this argument before, not really an argument, but a, a disagreement of uh, of why I, I just think it it works. I don't think it would work for any other show, but I think it works for static. And uh, yeah, I I love the I love it when it's just literal, like in the Hot Streak theme or in the Shebang theme. And I also love when it's just kind of like, "Well, this sounds good here." Like, <laughs> like, well, we just need like something that's kind of like building some menace to our to our soundtrack. Like in the uh, the airplane uh, in the airplane sequence there, and then we'll mention there as as when uh, it they I think they do a great job of in, in incorporating the the static theme. It was the season two theme song, but that's still used as his theme for the rest of the series when he, uh, when he's like I said, when he's kind of taken down by the one guard on uh, once he gets onto the plane and then is able to just free shebang and then uh, then static and then Shanice work together to take down the guard. There's uh, they bring in the static theme pretty, pretty well there as well. So I I, I always enjoy when they work in the hero theme like that as well. So uh, adored the music this week as, as I usually do.
1: All right, Liam, let's move on to our next category, our final category, in fact, of the day, which is going to be voice acting. And of course, uh, not a huge cast this week uh, as we, we didn't have a ton of characters. Actually, maybe more than I maybe more than I assumed that there would be, but a lot of uh small parts, a few lines. And then we've got uh, really the the main spotlight on just a couple of our voice actors and actresses from this week. So let's go ahead and break down our voice cast from this week.
2: Yeah, we've got some uh, familiar supporting characters in, uh, in small roles. Danica McKellar, once again, as Frida and Crystal Scales as Daisy. Uh, also have uh, briefly Danny Cooksey returning as Hot Streak. Um, all, all good in their little minor roles uh, playing Shanice's parents. We have a uh, Pamela Tyson playing uh, playing her mom Dolores, and uh, playing her dad as someone you probably would recognize, that being Phil Morris, uh, probably most famous to DCU fans as the voice of Vandal Savage, ah. uh, but uh, quite a bit of uh, of live action and uh, and voiceover work to his credit, including uh, he was Martian Manhunter on Smallville, so ah. good good uh, good to see him pop up there. But then yeah, our uh, our main three, of course, we have Jason Marsden as uh, as Gear, albeit a, a bit of a a reduced role for him this week. But uh, yeah, we have we have we have uh, Rosalind Taylor Jordan uh, voicing Shebang, and I didn't see a lot of uh, a lot of credits to her name on uh, on the always reliable uh, IMDb. Uh, actually seems to have done a lot more work uh, behind the scenes as uh, a lot of her credits on on imdb or as a casting director for the last few years but has also done a few other uh, minor voiceover jobs over the years as well but uh, as you already kind of mentioned cal she uh, miss jordan's really got a lot to do because she not only is she a main character of this episode coming in as a guest star we talk all the time about how tough that can be but also she's uh she's got the the dual identity and as you mentioned shebang and shanice at least at the start of the episode are are really quite part she has to play them really quite differently as uh as shanice is sort of this reserve and quiet try not to draw attention to herself sort of wallflower whereas shebang is very boisterous and confident and, and kind of ready to show the world what she could do so she's got a lot to do and and she has a quite a bit of variety in the uh, the emotions she has to tell both in, in those sequences. And then towards the end of the episode, when she's kind of being menaced by these, by these agents and when she kind of feels like all hope is lost. So they ask a lot of her for, for a guest star, but I think she, she rises to the occasion pretty well.
1: Yeah. I, I think that if you just were to take the Shanice performance in a vacuum and not really understand the character it would be easy to be critical of that performance because it's Mm -hmm. very understated, very dry, very, um, you know, very, uh, you know, it's sounds like she's bored, sad, doesn't show a lot of emotion. It's emotionless. But when you take into consideration the character, as we've talked about several times already, this is a character who's being suppressed, who's, you know, it's a candle being put under a basket. Essentially. You're not allowed to do the fake. She's not allowed to uh, express herself and be the, you know, be the superhero that she wants to be. So she's, she's depressed. She's sad. She's, Mm -hmm. uh, she's not living life to the fullest. She's not using all of her gifts uh, you know, to make the world a better place, she's being forced to kind of hide, and and uh, she she doesn't like it. So because of that, and, and some of it is intentional, also as we learned because she's trying not to draw attention to herself. She needs to be like, uh, you know, so so quiet and out of out of the spotlight that she doesn't get noticed by anybody else. Because if she gets discovered, then it's possible that she you know she draws attention to herself, and and the lab discovers that she's. She's uh, who they're looking for. So all of that is done very, very well, I think, because when you look at who she is, when she's shebang, she's outgoing, she's super cocky. uh, She gives, you know, she's got this repartee that she does both with hot streak and static and gear. Uh, She gives as much as she gets. Um, so yeah, I, I think that that's, you know, her performance is exactly what was needed for this character. When you look at it as a whole, she perfectly communicates the, the, uh, the, the dichotomy of the two, her two sides, her, her, who she is when she's a superhero enjoying life, enjoying being able to use her powers, enjoying being able to help people versus this. No, you gotta be a regular teen, but even more so, not even just a regular teen. You gotta be like, a hidden, quiet, docile, out of the out of the way teen that doesn't that doesn't really even draw attention and is, isn't isn't really the focal point uh, of of attention. So, yeah, I, I think her performance does really well at communicating that. I thought it was uh, it was excellent, especially for somebody who, as you mentioned, doesn't have a lot on resume as far as actual voice acting. Man, like way to go! Like you had your one shot and you hit a grand slam. Like way to go! <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, a lot, a lot asked of her, especially, yeah. Someone that isn't quite as seasoned as some of our other uh, regulars that we talk about every week on the show. And yeah, she, a lot was asked of her and, and, I, and I think she uh, she did a great job with it. And uh, of course uh, rounding out our cast is the great Phil Lamar as static, who he also has a lot to do in this episode because our villains are like these two nameless faceless agents like wait a minute you're not
1: going to talk about charlie rocket aka crew cut aka the guy that voiced (laughs) rob the mutants (laughs) from the from the dark knight returns bit from legends of the dark knight episode
2: come on he's well well may mr rocket rest in peace yes unfortunately no longer with us Also had some on-screen roles and things like Dumb and Dumber and uh, Dances with Wolves, to your point. So certainly a name worth mentioning <laughs> for no other reason than his name is Charlie Rocket. How can you not?
1: But his character's name is literally crew Cut?
2: Yes. I mean- <laughs> <laughs> yes, crew Cut and Pilot are our two bad guys in this episode. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, Philomar aesthetic in this episode gets a gets a lot to do because like we said we kind of set it up like it's he's kind of almost the bad guy for the first half of this episode because he's being so kind of stubborn and kind of refusing to admit that uh, that shebang knows what she's doing and is kind of uh, all standoffish and and territorial with her and then he has to kind of shift gears and become uh you know a bit more of a you know more sensitive and more understanding when when he and gear are talking with Shanice's parents after she's been taken and then when he kind of rises up and, and saves the day at the end, he's, uh, like I said, it's definitely a shebangs episode first and foremost, but, uh, unsurprisingly, perhaps Phil Lamar, uh, you know, in a, in maybe more of a supporting role this week, but still, uh, still bringing it, uh, through no surprise to us. Yep, I think he
1: he does exactly what was asked of him and and even a little more as you mentioned having to balance that idea of some professional jealousy in the way that you know th- this new person coming in showing him up taking uh, taking credit for, for doing, you know, handling some bad guys, doing it with ease and pressing the media and pressing Richie, you know, so there's some, there's some jealousy that's happening there. And then you get the conversations between him and him and Jason Marsden's Richie that of course are always great. They're, they're a repartee between the two of you, two of them. And then uh, as you mentioned, uh, you know, some of the, the gentler, more quiet moments that he gets uh, w- with Miss Taylor Jordan's uh, uh, shebang. So yeah, I, I, I think it's unsurprisingly a, a really good effort from, from Mr. Lamar, and, uh, and you know especially uh, it, in an episode where he was asked to sort of, uh, much like Static, take the back seat a little bit. It, it uh, did not show up in his performance as any uh, professional jealousy for Mr. Lamar. So unsurprisingly, of course, <laughs> consummate professional.
2: Absolutely. So, uh, for all, all those reasons, like I said, a really strong performance from our from our guest actor and uh, from some of our regulars as well. I ended up giving uh, voice acting another very strong eight out of ten.
1: Nice, and uh, I I actually went one point higher. I went with a nine out of ten for it. I think it's really strong, uh, based solely on that uh, performance from Miss Taylor Jordan, uh, learning that it's you know this is one of her first and and uh, only acting credits also voice acting credits is also pretty impressive uh you know took it up just another notch there for me so uh both both of us giving voice acting a relatively high score here with our nine and our eight all right liam so let's total things up here once uh once we get everything totaled up here at the end i end up giving this episode a pretty strong 32 out of 40 what about you
2: yeah, and I ended up uh, a point higher at 33 out of 40. So wow. uh, high scores from both of us, probably one of our higher higher rated uh, static episodes to date, if I had to guess.
1: Definitely, especially one that didn't feature a uh, a special guest from member of the uh, DCAU, <laughs> like uh, another hero from the DCAU. I, I, I totally agree with you on that. It's a, it's a, it's a good sign. And I, I think as we talk about rewatchability here, um, based on the fact that, uh, this character comes back as we, uh, spoiled early on in mm-hmm. our episode here, uh, I'd say that coupled with it being a really good rounded episode, I, I say, uh, yeah, give me two thumbs up. If you're, if you're rewatching static, this is an important episode for static as a whole. And, uh, it, it's a character that's recurring. It comes back into play with, uh, another character that comes back later on. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I'd say, yeah, two thumbs up for for rewatchability. If you're watching static episodes,
2: absolutely, yeah, slam dunk. Uh, important character to the series, and uh, as we said, a pretty a uh, pretty fun one to debut. I feel like uh, kind of by design, our last few times through static, we've been sticking to the early seasons to kind of knock those out. So. I feel like uh, at least in my head, the the seasons three and four, we got to, maybe static was allowed to uh, mature a little bit more with its audience. And I think this is a great example of, like you said, it's not necessarily relying on a, on a special guest star, or uh, as we said, even like a big bombastic actions, you know, a lot of big bombastic action sequences. Uh, like, like I said, it's a, it's a really fun story. You got some twists and turns and you got a lot of characters that, uh, to, that are likable and that you root for to to find uh you know to find a happy ending at the end so a lot a lot to like across our four categories as we've just spoken about absolutely and uh that will begin to
1: wrap us up for this week's episode thank you everybody for tuning in a very special thanks to Mr. Len Yuli who lent his time to us don't forget we will be uh, including more excerpts from our full length interview with next week's episode and then we will be dropping the entire conversation with Mr. Yuli by the end of the month as a bonus episode right here on the same feed that you listen to this podcast and on the Pod Tower YouTube channel, so be sure to check that out. Uh, while you're anticipating that episode from dropping, we encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to us, whether it is at the Pod Tower YouTube channel or on your favorite podcast app like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If it allows you to leave a review or interact with the podcast in some way, like leaving a five star review or maybe drop a comment on one of our videos on the podcast or Pod Tower pod tower youtube channel please do any interaction with us wherever our podcast lays is uh is good for us it's good for the podcast it'll tells those algorithms that people are listening and that they should push it out to more people to listen, so we greatly appreciate it. Uh, if you want to leave us a five-star review, that helps us on your favorite podcast app or uh, if there's a spot like on Apple Podcasts that allows you to leave a little blurb about what you like about the podcast or maybe you don't like about the podcast, feel free to do that and uh, send it our way. Send it to us uh, via our social media at review, both on Twitter and Instagram or X and Instagram, whatever you want to call it. Um, You could also send it on threads or Facebook, but uh, we use those social media platforms far less often than we do uh, Instagram or Twitter. So uh, send that uh, send that review our way if you do. And uh, we may just have a little thank you gift for you. Uh, If you're interested in supporting the podcast uh, monetarily, there's a couple ways to do that. There are links in the show notes for both ways to do so one is through our merchandise store you can head over and check that out get yourself a shirt or a mug or a sticker Uh, you can also support us by uh, subscribing monthly to our podcast and supporting us we have uh, several people that do that and we're grateful for them giving their hard-earned dollars every single month to us uh, just so that Liam and I can buy a coffee while we do these podcasts so thank you to our monthly supporters and Mm -hmm. if you want to join them check out the show notes Liam, we have gone through all of our housekeeping and uh, social media plugs. Don't forget, follow us at DCAU Review. Share your thoughts for this episode as well as your thoughts on our uh, tidbits with Mr. Yuli if you'd like to. But Liam, as we mentioned, next week we will be continuing with our theme here of episodes written by Mr. Yuli, And uh, we have another interesting one next week.
2: That's right. And uh, speaking of shebang, you already uh, teased it a couple of times. Uh, This was not her last appearance in the series, and we will be picking things up next week with her second appearance in the series, that being in the episode Parent Trap. Uh, No twins or Lindsay Lohan to be found here, but a pretty fun episode featuring a uh, really strong Ron Perlman voice performance, unsurprisingly. So lots to get into with that episode next week. uh, Can't wait.
1: And as promised, a few more tidbits for Mr. Yuli. You will Mm -hmm. not want to miss it. But until then, I'm Cal.
2: And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.